Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail. So that way you can say, does this apply to me? And how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome there as well. Today we got a good episode. We are going to be developing a plan, a financial plan. Um, this individual is a physical therapist getting married. Um, they're going to be moving once. They're actually already knowing they're going to be moving a second time, wanting to buy a house, wanting to buy real estate. We're going to put all that into a, a plan to show you how it's done how you should be building your financial plan using this example. Then we're going to run some scenarios on it. Like, well, what happens if um, I end up buying a car? What happens if my my spouse stays working full time? Those types of things. I'm going to show you how to do all that stuff today. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to be able to see this right on your screen. If you're listening to the podcast, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll state the numbers so that way you guys can, can see what ends up happening uh, as you build out your plan. Uh, with that being said, before we jump into it, as always, if you're watching other videos up on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're on uh, the podcast, be sure to subscribe in either location. It helps you guys because you're going to be notified when new episodes come out. It helps us uh, because it grows the channels. Other thing, make sure that you're sharing this with your friends too. If it's going to be helping you, you know it can potentially help them as well. It's a win-win situation for everybody. Let's jump right into uh, the the podcast for today. What's the scenario? First of all, this uh, individual is a DPT. That is a doctorate in physical therapy. They are a new grad. They graduated in 2019. So that is what we classify as a new grad. Those of you that aren't familiar or this is the first time you're listening to this, we, we tend to classify new grads of those that have graduated within the last 10 years. Okay, so... He graduated in 2019. We still consider that a, a new grad. Okay. Um, basically, he's getting married this year, later on uh, in November. Uh, so what is that from recording this today? Probably about five or six months down the road. He's getting married. Um, and she is an RN, a nurse. Um, basically, their actual financial situation right now um if you're watching on youtube i will pull this up so that way you guys can see this um you can see it on your screen right now you can see that they've been able to save up about forty four thousand dollars in cash that's mostly due because of the student loan payment pause they've been able to save that um has about thirty thousand dollars in investable uh types of accounts those are like brokerage accounts where he's doing some investments in and about $60,000 in retirement. Again, this is between two different people here. So combined, they've been out of school uh, for about four years. She's been out of school for about six years. So that's what they've been able to accumulate in assets during that time period. Um, in terms of debt, uh, prior to COVID, he was able to pay down a significant portion of his student loan. So he owes about $45,000 left. And then they have about a $14,000 car loan. 
Okay, so that is the background of their situation. Very similar to a lot of you, uh, hopefully a lot of you, once you're about four years out of school, you have that much cash, that's so much in assets. Again, they have a lot of that in savings um, because they've been saving during the whole pandemic because they haven't had to pay on their student loans, okay? So that's one of the big reasons why they have a lot of money, but good situation to be in. Um, however, they got some big events coming up. They're getting married. Um, they're gonna move. They wanna buy potentially some housing. So I'm gonna go through some of their plan with that. They want to have a child within the next two or three years. So again, a lot of planning, right? So let's jump into it. Um, let's actually go into details of what that plan looks like in terms of what they want to do. Um, they are going to be moving uh, to Florida here coming up pretty soon uh, in a few months. Actually, before they get married, they're going to be moving to Florida. And it's because of those type of work that they want to do. He's going to travel as a travel PT. She's going to take a job as a travel nurse as well. And so they're doing that to try to get as much cash flow as they can over the next uh, year to two years. So that way they have enough money for when they move back to where they currently live at. Um, so that way they can buy housing, get ready to have their child, all that type of stuff. I'm going to go through some more details on this so you'll, you'll understand why they're doing that. But that's their game plan. Work like really hard in travel contracts for a year or two, build up a bunch of cash, and then use it right so sounds like a pretty good game plan let's go into the details of what they want to do they're going to be moving in september by the way guys um you you might have noticed I, i'm not saying names by the way and i'm not saying locations of like where they live at now um I, again we even though we asked like hey can we use your scenario and like our podcasts and videos to help people and we get the approval for them i still don't like using names and stuff because people, and even locations because people can actually back solve like, if they know the person and stuff like who they are so I don't want to give out people's financial information. So if you keep hearing me say stuff like that, like not using names or saying they're going to move back to where they live at now, that type of stuff, I'm doing that on purpose. I know I got a comment on one of the videos last week about, you know, you didn't say which city they live in. How can they buy a house for, you know, whatever price I said in that, you know, and it's like, well, I don't say the city on purpose. So I just want to clarify that um, before going further. Okay. Um, but in this example, so they're moving. So you can see if you're on YouTube, how they have life events where they are moving. Um, once they move, he's planning on making about $80,000. You can see that here. And because she's going to be, uh, going to be a traveling nurse. Uh, it's about $140,000 for a traveling nurse. Okay. So combined, they're going to be making about 220 a year, which is fantastic. Whereas right now, in both their full-time jobs, they're making about 137000 right now. So that's why they want to move. They're going to increase their income by about $80,000 a year by working down there for two years. That's a significant amount of money, right? So um, now you see here, they put in a savings goal of $10,000 for their wedding. That's about how much they've estimated how much it's going to be. Um, and then you can see here that by December 2024, they're going to move back to their current uh, location where they currently live at. And you'll see on YouTube, if you're watching on this, that they have on here that their goal is to buy two investment properties. Now, if you recall, when I first started the podcast, I said that they wanted to buy a house when they, they moved back. What their goal to do is not to buy a single family house, but to buy a duplex. And they want to rent one side of that duplex out. And then after six months, they want to do the same thing and buy a second duplex. Okay. 
Now I want to talk about strategically how to do that real quick because it's, it's what they're going to do and it's a very smart way of doing it. That first duplex are an FHA loan, which is three and a half percent down. So he has in his goal that he wants to save 20% down, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has to do it. And because it's a duplex and they plan on living in it, they can claim it as their primary resident, which is going to give them a lower interest rate on the loan versus if they tried to buy the duplex as an investment. And so that's what they're strategically doing. And then six months later, he's going to buy a second duplex. And in order to buy that one, um, he is going to then say, well, we're moving and we're going to move that into that duplex and claim it as my primary. So he's going to be able to get two properties on a residential mortgage loan instead of an investment mortgage loan, which is going to give him a lower interest rate, all else equal on his loans. Okay. Now you can see if you're watching on YouTube that the savings goal for the down payment is different on the second one for 80,000 because he won't be able to qualify for the first time home buyer's loan anymore. Okay. So that's, that's why he's planning on saving a little bit more for that down payment. For those of you that I don't know, he has the first one or that are on the podcast. I can't see this. He's going to be buying the first property. He wants a savings goal of $40,000 for a down payment on that. And for the second property saving about $80,000. Okay. Then later on that year, they want to have a child. Now, one of the big things here is that his spouse, once they have the child, wants to be able to stay at home uh, part-time and cut her income. So they estimate at that time that their income is going to drop by $50,000. And so their big question when you know they schedule the call to go through this, if very first and foremost, are they going to be able to buy those two properties? Like, are they going to have enough money to do that in terms of a monthly payment and all that type of stuff, especially if she stops working once they have a child? This is why I say it's so important to simulate these plans, because a lot of times people will have these plans. They don't simulate it, though. And so then they start going down the route. They have the child and they realize because of cost of living, they can't do it. OK, so they wanted to simulate that. Now, before we do the simulation, you see that. They have their day-to-day -day expenses. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see what their day-to-day -day expenses are uh, between the different uh, items on here, okay? Um, you can see that right now, what I wanna point out is about 57% of their income is going towards day-to-day -day expenses. Those of you that are new to the podcast or this is one of the first videos you watch, you know that we break down, to make financial planning easy, we break it down into the three categories of where you put your money, day-to-day -day money, money for future self and risk management. And as I always say, your number one focus is, is to decrease the percentage of your income going to day-to-day -day expenses and increase money for future self. So right now he's got about 57% of their day-to-day, -day, uh, of their money going towards day-to-day -day expenses. And then underneath money for future self, um, overall they have about 33% going towards money for future self, which is good because when I first started working with him years ago, he only had about 28% of his money going towards money for future self. So he's slowly been increasing that over time, which is a really good thing. Okay. So that's the overarching financial plan goal. Now the short-term goal is to hit those goals that we talked about, being able to have the down payment for, for the, or the money for the wedding, down payment, money for the down payment, all that type of stuff. So we always say you your big focus is what we just talked about, where you try to get more money going to money for future self over time as a percentage of your income. 
And then from there, your short-term goals, you should focus on them one at a time until you get them done. And so you can see in here that they have savings for like a health savings account, a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k, uh, and, a four, and a regular 401k. So they are basically putting the minimums in there that we recommend to get those. What do I mean by recommends? We recommend getting like your retirement match because it's free money. We recommend putting 50 to $100 a month into a Roth IRA. And then in terms of the health savings account, we recommend putting it's anywhere between 50 to $100 a month per person. So as you can see, because they're married, they're doing the minimum towards the Roth, they're doing the minimum towards the HSA, and for them, they're doing the minimum for the Roth IRA and the 401k to get their match. And then if we come down here to their debt, they're doing the minimum monthly payment that is required on their debt. So they're doing the minimums on everything. And then for their savings and checking, they're putting $2,000 a month towards their just their regular checking account. Because that is their goal. Number one goal is to get the wedding money, then the down payment for the first duplex, the down payment for the third duplex or the second duplex. So they're doing the minimums and everything else, and then focusing on one thing and accomplishing one goal at a time. I can't stress that a month uh, enough. One goal at a time. And I really wanted to go through this example because you guys hear me talk about that all the time. This is exactly how you set that up. Minimum on your retirement savings to be smart there and minimum on debt payments and then everything else goes to your number one goal the third category risk management they got some stuff going towards insurances so like disability insurance health insurance vehicle insurance so on and so forth so you can see those numbers here and now overall when you look at a summary of their plan they have all that money going to those areas and they still have seven over a month or i'm sorry to go out and have fun if they want to, or maybe they misbudgeted, so they have some extra leeway in there. And so that's how they do that. Okay, now additional questions in here. You see that they wanted to have about a three month emergency fund. Why is that? It's because they're both in healthcare, so very low risk to their employment, plus some of the other stuff they have on their profile that reduces their risk. They're in a good situation, so they only need three months. Again, if you guys want to see based on your situation, how many months that Fitbox recommended is, we have an AI that will actually tell you this is how much you should have an emergency fund. Of course, you can have more than that if you want to, less than that, it's up to you, but we have that. Now, after they hit their short-term savings goals, then you gotta have a question be answered, right? You gotta either want to say, okay, well, I'm gonna invest like after I hit those goals or with my leftover money, or I'm gonna pay off debt aggressively. For them, they wanna pay off debt aggressively, okay? So let's go ahead and simulate um, this information here. I want to let it simulate here for a second. Um, and so if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see this. Their Fitbox score is around a 750, which is, which is really good. Okay. Um, for those of you that don't know what the Fitbox score is, what we do in one of the algorithms that we created was if you were trying to compare plans and build plans, it would be very hard to tell what's good and what's bad. If you got all these huge, all these PDFs of all these different figures, like your income, your expenses, your uh, mortgages, your car loans, your student loans, your 401ks, your HSAs, your Roth IRAs, it's like, holy cow, right? So one of the algorithms we created was we take all that data and we put it into one score. So it allows us to easily see what's gonna happen with your financial plan. And you can see that the score drops a lot 
in the short run. It goes from like 750 down to like 101. And then it jumps up. And by the time they hit retirement, it's like a perfect score at 999. What is happening here? Okay, first of all, what I primarily care about when I look at this is the long run. It picks back up and that tells me that they can do this plan. That's what I'm primarily concerned about. If they couldn't do this plan, it would tank and it would be very low by the time they hit retirement. So as soon as I see this Fitbus score and that it's ending in a, in a high location, this plan is doable, okay? So one of their questions was, is if we buy these two duplexes and my, my spouse stays at home part-time and only has half their income, we'll be able to afford everything like the duplex, the child and everything else. And the answer is yes. Okay. Now, why does this score drop so much? It's because the income's dropping, but also because they have the child and expenses. So what this tells me is even though they can do this, when they go to do it, those probably from 2026 to 2029, 2030, those four, three, four years, it's going to be hard. They're going to probably have a, a very tight cash flow, going to probably have to budget their money extremely well so that way they can afford everything. But in the long run, that short-term sacrifice would be worth it. Okay, that's what this is telling me. And again, that's what we communicate as a coach, that's what we communicate with you if you guys call in and want to review like your plan or whatnot, okay? Now, let's actually go through and review some of these numbers. And we first start off with some goals. They hit all their goals. Like I, I just mentioned to you, they'll be able to do this plan and actually hit every single one of their goals. When it comes to assets, by the time they hit retirement, according to this projection, they'd have $5.68 million. That's a pretty good scenario, right? Now, I will show you one thing that is concerning to me, and I, I brought this up with them, okay? In 10 years from now, they're worth, they're, their financial assets are about $1.3 million. Again, that is, that's a, a pretty good place to be, okay? However, $1.16 million of that is in investment properties, and only about $133,000 of that is in retirement money. The reason why I bring that up is because this means that they would have a ton of money in real estate. And it's like, well, that's not, might not be a good thing. Like when you hit retirement, what's going to happen there? And having the rental properties, they get some cash flow, which is a good thing. But the reason why I'm saying it's not that big of a deal in this case is by the time they hit retirement, <clears throat> they could potentially still have about $3.2 million in cash if they follow this plan. Okay. So, to me, that's fine. What's going on here is, is that when they have that child, I touched on that earlier, they're gonna have to reduce their investments a lot because of the, the childhood expenses as well as their mortgage payments and whatnot. So they're gonna have to sacrifice some of that money, their retirement money to do those things. But in the long run, once their child is growing up, and older, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see there's kind of like this kink out here in 2046 where they start saving aggressively. That's because that's when their debt starts getting paid off as well as when um, their child is no longer living at home, supposedly at 18, we assume they're moving out. And so they would still be able to save for retirement at that time and still retire very comfortably. So if somebody said to me, yes, this is the plan I wanna do, 
I, I don't see any risk in that. I, I think it would be a good plan to, to do, but they might want to make some adjustments. But to me, this is good. Now, debts, you could see that they end up paying it off, by, like I said, around 2020, uh, 2045. You can see a net wealth summary. What I want to point out in this is that in 10 years from now, intangible financial freedom, they would have um, about about $500,000, $550,000 in net wealth in 10 years. That's pretty damn good. That is that is pretty damn good, okay? If you're watching on YouTube, you might be saying, where do you get uh, your tangible net wealth from on the screen that I'm showing? And just to let you know, the screen that I'm showing shows a total of $2.7 million in net wealth by 2033. We have what we call a calculation that we use um that shows you what your value of your human capital is we call that your intangible asset value um, and that human capital value you should be recognizing that value over time in financial capital it's a way that we can tell are you efficiently turning your income and all that type of stuff your income potential into actual money and converting that into financial capital at an efficient rate so human capital is intangible uh, intangible assets so it's $2.2 million in this case, okay? So if I took their overall net wealth of $2.7 million and subtracted $2.2 million, it's about $550,000. So that's how you get to the tangible financial freedom or financial wealth if you're looking at this screen on YouTube right now. That's what we're looking at. So again, total net wealth minus human capital or intangible equals your tangible net wealth, okay? Uh, and then paycheck, if you want to see a summary of where their money's going so they can implement this thing, that's where they would go. Now, that's their plan. If everything was good to go, they're like, woohoo, let's go. I'm ready to implement it. They would implement and they would move on with their lives and track it on Fitbucks, make sure everything is, is going right. Um, to say, hey, did my income hit? Did my expenses actually match what they are supposed to? Did I actually contribute where I'm supposed to? So on and so forth. Okay, now that wasn't the end of it though. Their first question was, well, what happens if my spouse ends up staying at work full time? So we can very easily show um, these scenarios. So I'm going to make a second plan that basically is when they have their child, she stays at work full time. Okay. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me doing this. If you're listening on the podcast, what you can't see is I'm literally making a second plan while I'm talking through this, okay? And I'm just assuming that she stays at work full time. I'm simulating the plan right now. It's gonna generate some results, but before I go through those results, I'm gonna actually pull up a comparison so that way I can compare them side by side. And so that one's done running, and now I'm gonna run a comparison. I'm gonna go through these numbers with you guys so that way you can see this. Now, first of all, you guys always talk, like, hear me talk about how easy it is to build plans and compare things on Fitbucks. I literally just built that second plan in less than 30 seconds. So if you guys need help doing this, this is why we say build, like, join Fitbucks, build your profile, schedule a call with us, because your coaches can do this stuff with you very quickly and very easily, right? But what I want to point out in this is that when they have their child, okay, if she stayed at work full time, Instead of the Fitbox score being like a 100, the Fitbox score is still a 451 because of her income being so much higher. And in 10 years, instead of it being at a 192, it's at a 769. 
So let's actually put some dollars and cents to this. What does this actually mean? Okay. When it comes to assets, it's not too drastically different because if you recall, I had mentioned to you that they did not want to invest. They wanted to use their extra money to pay off their debt faster. So if I go down to comparing debt by doing this and having her stay at work full time, they end up paying off their debt about six to seven years earlier. So that's all their debt, their car debt, their student loan debt and debt on two properties. They would basically have gone in 17 years. And then after that, they then save, save, save. And what's the difference? Once they hit retirement, they would have $9.9 million versus $5.7 million. Okay. Now, how do we use this information when we're developing a plan? First of all, we look long-term. And the first question I ask this person is, is there going to be a, a drastic difference between 9.9 million and 5.7 million? No, because you're probably not going to spend through either one of them. So from a financial planning standpoint, there is no difference. That's why the score is 999 by retirement at, in both plans. It's because both plans are saying, look, if you do either one of these, by the time you hit retirement age, you're going to be in an awesome situation either way. Okay. Now it's more short term. Okay. Are they willing to take that risk when she is work like when they first have the child? And there's two ways you can actually three different ways you can chop this up. You can turn around and they could say, decide, look, she is going to stay at home part time because maybe it's, it's just from a value standpoint. Like we want a parent at home with our child. So maybe they sacrifice buying that second duplex and just keep the cash on hand. So that way she can do that and they don't have to feel like they're living paycheck to paycheck for three or four years trying to trying to scrap through and they're doing okay there, right? Or that's one scenario that they can decide to do. We can even simulate that for them if they wanted to. Or they could turn around and say something along the lines of like, okay, well, maybe she works uh, only part-time for two or three years and then we simulate her going back to work full-time once the child's in like kindergarten or preschool or something like that. Okay, so you could mix and match these to simulate. They decided they were comfortable with the very first plan that we built. That was like, hey, we really want these two properties and let's do that. So that's what they wanted up doing. However, before they wanted to run one more scenario. He, he wanted to decide should he buy a new car or not, okay? And so again, we're gonna go in and build a new car, uh, a new plan, assuming that they have a new car, um, all we or that they're buying a new car. All we have to do is go in and add a new event. He's gonna be replacing his car. Let's just say he's gonna buy it when they move to Florida, which is coming up here in the next few months. Um, he estimated that it would be a $30,000 car and that they're going to put about $3,000 down. What his main concern on this was not that it would hinder their long-term plan because you saw how much money they're going to have in the long term. So that's not going to be that big of a deal. What his big thing was is, is it going to hinder them being able to buy the properties because now they got another debt? And so now when we simulate that, again, I'm going to look at this and say, hey, does this actually hinder you? Or should you be able to buy that car? 
again, it, I don't see any hindrance. I'm running the scenario right now, buy a car. It doesn't stop them from buying the properties. They're still able to buy the properties. It doesn't do anything to their FIPA score in terms of keeping it down. Go for it. And for him, he lives up in the Northeast, so his car, his current car gets destroyed because of the salt and the snow and everything. And so they're going to buy a new car when he gets down there. He's going to sell his car before they leave and buy a new car when he gets to Florida. So it's actually, you know, not a destroyed vehicle and whatnot. But that, my friends, is how you build out a plan the appropriate way as well as simulate it. Again, I am going to review that with you guys from a financial planning standpoint. The overarching goal is to get the percentage of your income going from day-to-day -day expenses to money for future self. So in this example, 57% of his uh, income is going towards day-to-day -day expenses and only about 33% going towards money for future self as of right now. The goal as the income goes up is to continually switch that. That is the overall goal, increasing the percentage of your income going to money for future self. That is number one, okay? Number two is then target your short-term goal. One goal as fast as you can. For them, it was saving for the wedding, saving for the down payment for the first duplex, saving the down payment for the second duplex, and then they were gonna focus on paying off debt. That's what they simulated. That's what the point of simulation is, is to make sure that the plan does not crash. In the short run, you have to understand the risks, like in their situation about potentially for three or four years where it might be tight and what their options are. So that way you guys know what to do and you got your game plan ready to go. As always, if you need help building out your plan, we could do the same exact thing for you that we did in this example. Build your profile at fitbucks.com. Sign up to become a member. You can build out your plan by yourself if you want help with uh, from a coach to helping you do this. That's what we're here for. As always, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks there as well. Be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends about us. See you guys soon.